Hi and welcome to this latest episode from 1914-1918war.com In this episode we'll do our usual look ahead to the anniversaries coming up over the next couple of weeks and uh, then I've got a book review for you and uh, stay tuned to the end of the podcast because uh, I'm giving away the book in question uh, in a bit of a Christmas competition Everything you hold for a while is at stake. Du hast uns starke Berührung mit der See, denn wir sehen für uns Hörnchen weltumfangen Geistchen nur von Gewinn. First of all, we'll take a look at some of the anniversaries coming up over the next couple of weeks. We begin as usual in 1914. Uh, with December the 18th, uh, a battalion of the Scots Guard attack near Givenchy, uh, losing half their numbers in the process. And then on the 20th of December, the Germans counterattacked, taking back the trenches that had been lost a few days earlier. Then on December the 22nd, 1914, Churchill ordered that all German ships flying a white sank should be sunk unless they were obviously helpless then we should probably jump across to Christmas Day uh, where the Turkish Third Army was in action against the Russians at Sarikamish and had run out of supplies. And on the 25th again, a uh, temporary truce breaks out uh, on British and German fronts uh, in some places. It's a long story. Look it up. There's a, a lot of fake history about that one. Then jumping ahead to 1915, on December the 19th, Sir Douglas Haig took over as Commander-in-Chief of Forces in France uh, from Sir John French following the uh, failure of the Loose campaign. And then on the 19th of December, again, a German army released uh, highly toxic phosgene gas for the first time against the Ypres salient, killing 120 men. And then on the 25th of December, uh, Christmas Day, the British maintained a steady artillery fire uh, all day against the German trenches to prevent any fraternisation uh, attempts by either side. Then in 1916, on December the 21st, uh, Prime Minister Lloyd George uh, rejected President Wilson's request for peace plans. He saw that attempting to make peace would be accepting militarism and so rejected the uh, request. And then on December the 25th, the Russian Tsar rejects President Wilson's calls for the peace plans uh, as well. Jumping ahead now to 1917, uh, December the 22nd, German and Russian peace negotiations officially begin. And then on December the 24th, 1917, fighting broke out between the Bolsheviks and Ukrainian troops. So there's a summary of some anniversaries coming up over the next couple of weeks. Now let's get on with today's special feature. In our feature this week, I'm going to take a look at a book uh, called Sailor in the Desert, uh, The Adventures of Philip Gunn, DSM, Royal Navy, in the Mesopotamia campaign in 1915, uh, written by David Gunn. And at the end, I'll give you some instructions on how you can enter a competition uh, to win the book. Sailor in the Desert is an account of the naval involvement in the British campaign in Mesopotamia during the First World War, as told through the experiences of a young sailor called Philip Gunn. 
Whilst the advance on Baghdad and its ignominious failure before cut its well-travelled territory, the support role played by small naval vessels in ferrying troops, providing artillery support and providing logistical assistance is less well known. The naval support was particularly valued for its ability to bring artillery power to bear upon the Turks without dragging guns over land. The account is written by David Gunn, Philip's son, and is based on a mixture of notes and conversations that took place many years after the events that the book covers. There's no mention of original diaries in the text, however it seems that David Gunn has pieced together the campaign from a number of sources detailed in the bibliography, and has augmented the historical elements with conversations and his father's notes. As a result, this book is not a traditional history of a campaign, and more of a memoir written from Abel Seaman Gunn's memories. This makes it readable for the general reader, but is potentially a limitation for the more serious historian. The book's 148 pages long and is comprised of short chapters, each comprising of two or three pages and each covering a particular incident or anecdote along the journey. Sometimes a chapter covers a significant military event, such as Amara surrenders to nine men. At other times, minor vignettes, such as Phil meets the Arabs, this lends the book a sort of quirky charm, and as long as you're happy to enjoy them as a travelogue of a young lad in a strange country, you'll enjoy this narrative. My impression is that the book was written in short segments over a period of time, as this would explain both repeating refrains and a few irrelevant sections that perhaps could have been edited down. The colour illustrations in the centre section are a gem. Painted by Philip Gunn, who retired to become a landscape painter, they stylistically portray various episodes from Gunn's campaign. However, once again, you must be careful not to conclude that these are true representations of what happened. There's no mention of Gunn painting or sketching whilst in the field, and one of the pictures portrays the destruction of the launch he'd been commanding, an event that happened whilst Philip Gunn was uh, incapacitated with malaria and many miles away. In this particular case, one must draw the conclusion that it's an artist's impression drawn some time after the events they portray. This is a recurring theme in the text. For example, Gunn repeatedly mentions that Philip wonders whether the medical provision will be enough at various stages in the campaign. Given we're dealing with memories collated after the event, it's hard to say whether this was actually apparent at the time or whether this is a constructive memory, either added by the author or by Philip as he mulled over his experiences after the event. Certainly this is not what historians would refer to as a primary source. The author has fleshed out the account with some useful contextual passages, such as the progress of the campaign as seen from Parliament, the discussions of the general staff, and the wider strategic position. These sections provide the reader with details that our protagonist must have been completely unaware of as an ordinary, and later an able seaman, in an army-led campaign. Quotations drawn from parliamentary proceedings and occasionally the memoirs of other people involved are used intelligently and I cannot help but wish that more of Philip Gunn's own words had been used. All of Philip's experiences are relayed in the third person and I feel the text would have benefited if more direct quotations had been included. You should read this accessible book for its intimate account of a young man thrown into an extraordinary situation. Read it for its ordinary seaman's view of life in an unusual part of the Navy. Enjoy the pictures and the tales of life in the desert. 
but don't expect a detailed account of the campaign. Treat it as a lovely memoir with some great illustrations and you won't be disappointed. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. As I mentioned earlier, you can win the book Sailor in the Desert that uh, you've just heard a review for. All you need to do is go online to your uh, podcast provider, leave a glowing review and uh, take a screenshot or paste, uh, copy the link for the uh, review and email it to the email contact address in the show notes. And if you do that, you'll get entered into the prize uh, draw to uh, win the book. Good luck and uh, thanks a lot for listening and uh, I'll look forward to joining us next time and we explore something more about the Great War. Thanks a lot. Bye.